welcome to another episode of Church Matters. Um, we're joined today, we're very excited actually to be joined by the wonderful Mr. Fran Garrity. Hello everyone, are you alright? You yeah. don't really tend to get much feedback off people on this. Oh, hang on a minute. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. You are literally that popular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really strange to be actually we're sat in your kitchen and I can't believe how many people are sat in front of us. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Don't normally have this many around. <laughs> or maybe not even that many at your own gigs. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, like I say, we're just so excited to be uh, that you've decided to join us, Fran. Thank you for giving us You're uh, welcome your time. It's much appreciated. Right. So for the benefit of people who might not know you, you're Fran Garrity. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm Fran Garrity. I'm a married man of, well, I've got two kids and two dogs. And right. I've got one wife. Uh, I live in Middlesbrough. Uh, I work in Stockton and I gig uh, all around the country. Oh, wow. So who's the favourite out of the dogs, the kids and the wife? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one. I'm not going to answer that one primarily because it didn't really matter what I say. I know you can edit these yeah. podcasts and you'll just switch it around. Absolutely not true. Yeah. Because I'm not that I'm not that technically minded. <laughs> but I can do it for you. <laughs> well, after meeting your dogs, I think I'm quite. The dogs are quite high up on the. Yeah, they are on the favourites. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Well, like you say, like you were telling me earlier, one of them's got ADHD. Well, I did a test on him because he was, um, well, he wasn't, he still is. <laughs> He's like, he, he was a rescue dog. We rescued him about two or three years ago. But um, when we first got him, he was really timid. But then all of a sudden, he's just come out of himself. But now he's like really hyper. If you can imagine owning a dog that's a little bit like Tigger. Yes. Where he just bounces off the wall constantly. <laughs> You can't take him out for a walk. Well, you can take him out for a walk, but it's just like flying a kite. He's just literally just all over the place. So what I thought I'd do, I'd do like a little test on the internet to determine whether or not he's got ADHD. The internet doesn't lie. So I put all the answers in as if he was a child and not a dog, and it came back he's got 80% ADHD. So it's pretty conclusive, really. <laughs> I've not done it with myself yet. <laughs> Just with the dog. Just the dog. Well, after meeting the dog, I right. can safely say I think it's a pretty accurate test, really. It is, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I thought you would have, like, Uh-oh. that one would be your favourite. Um, I'll, I'll go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're uh, obviously, uh, at the moment, you're, you're a comedian, but you've obviously had other uh, things growing up in life as well, other than comedy. So, just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and uh, and how you became uh, how you became a Christian. So I um, am the youngest in my family. Still am. Um, <laughs> I would, I would hope so. Um, so I'm I'm the youngest of like four four kids, and we grew up uh, in Middlesbrough. We grew up in Winniebanks first, and then we moved over to Linthorpe. Pretty much lived in Middlesbrough all my life. Until about 1997, but I moved to Hull, but we can probably talk about that later on. Um, and I, I came, well, I am, I've got a Catholic background. My mum and dad were really strong Catholics, and we all went to the Holy Name of Mary Church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is next to uh, St Edward's School, which was my primary school. Um, so I kind of had a fair bit of knowledge anyway about about Jesus, God, faith, etc. But it wasn't until about 1996, 1997 that I made the decision to become a Christian. I got invited to go to a talk, which was given by a guy called Vic Gledhill, who lives in Walsall. Right. He's a, he's a really good really good preacher. I used to try and check him out. Um, and he gave, uh, he gave a sermon, he gave a talk about, talk about Jesus and about his life and the fact that um, Jesus came to save us, not just sinners, but he came to save everyone. And I always remember he read that famous quote from the Bible, which said, I have come so that you may have life and you may yes. live it to the full. So that was that really impacted uh impacted me at that particular time. Um and then I gave my life to to Christ and I've been a Christian since nineteen ninety seven. Wow. That's a long time. It is. Before <laughs> mobile phones 
It's how long ago it was. Before Channel 5? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Sky Television. Before, not, well, probably on the on the brink of the internet. Yes. The World Wide Web. Do you remember that? Dial up. It's good, yeah. Oh, I can't, the, the, the Channel 5 thing, you've got me. I've got a really good story about dial up, but we could probably do it for another occasion. <laughs> if we want. I don't, is it appropriate? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it probably is actually. <laughs> you, well, you, you might not know this, so some of the older mm. listeners will probably know this. Like dial up, what you used to do, you used to have to use your phone line. Yes. So you used to get your your, your massive hard drive, which is about the yeah. size of a washing machine, <laughs> and you had to yeah. plug it into your wall. Yeah. And then you would go on to the internet. Well, you try, you would try, try and yeah. go on to the internet. You would try and connect. You just get like a load of noises and stuff, and. Sometimes it would take you two days to get onto the internet, but within those two days, nobody could contact you by no, phone. No. You didn't have any mobiles, they couldn't get you on your landline. After about two days, I had people knocking on my door, <laughs> seeing if I was still alive. I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to get connected to the internet, that's all. I do, I do remember those days. But like, you used to have a disc, AOL. AOL, yes. Put a little disc in, AOL. Disc. Yeah. And then MTL World came along. Yeah. Oh, man. That feels like... That only feels like yesterday. No, but it wasn't. No. It was a long time ago. long time ago. <laughs> when Noah came out the arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Well, the 95-96 was a particular special year because uh, Darlington Football Club, you know, they, they had one of their most successful seasons. <laughs> and I will say in oh. recent times. <laughs> 1995. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was pretty significant. And... Uh, yeah. Since then, it, it hasn't really yeah. been. So it's special for, not just you becoming a Christian those years, but, mm. you know, in terms of, in terms of football, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was in, it was incredible. Mm, good. Unforgettable. Unforgettable. <laughs> I've got a DVD, Middlesbrough's Best Goals, it's three minutes. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the replay the same goal <laughs> for two of those minutes. Those, I... I <laughs> I actually, I actually went to Essen Park quite a few times. Oh, some I I used to like going to Essen Park. Yeah, it was good atmosphere, Essen Park. But not the Riverside, I'm no. afraid. No. So you became a Christian. But when it was the BT Cellnet, that's when I became a Christian. <laughs> and you got a free mobile as yeah, part of that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, oh well, I was just thinking, like I was. Any time you say mobile phone and just getting one, I always think of the Nokia 3310. I've still got a Nokia 3310. Have you? Yeah, it's in the front room. You can still play the snake game. Snake game. That's what I keep kept it for. Well, what are we doing this for? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> can't go on the internet. Can't take pictures. No. But you can play Snake. And I've got, you can only get like four people as contacts. There's no other people you can get <laughs> as contacts on your phone. Sim card full. Yeah. I remember those days yeah, too. Totally, totally. <laughs> so you grew up in Middlesbrough, became a Christian in 96, 97. And then um, what have you done kind of work-wise? What have you... Um, so I left, I left school with pretty much no qualifications. I was a bit of a joker at school, to be honest. I used to mess about quite a lot. Funny that. Funny that, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I left school in 1986. Uh, I went to Longlands College in Middlesbrough, and I did um, I did like a B-Tech in uh, film and TV production. Right. Because I was quite interested in, in sound production. That was that was what got me into like radio and stuff like that. So I joined uh, Hospital Radio, which was then South Cleveland Hospital Radio. Yeah. So this was back like back in uh, about the, yeah eighty seven eighty eight. Went to Longlands, did a couple of years there, and then I graduated, and then I got sent. What <laughs> sent? That uh, I then went to a, a place down the down the in West Sussex called Worthing, yes. uh, Northbrook College, and I did a higher national diploma in film and TV production, wow. which is like a two or three year course. Yeah. Uh, whilst I was there. Uh, we ent- we we made a film and we entered it in the Hamburg Film Festival and it came third. Oh, that's good. And I did the I did the sound production on that. We filmed it in Boulogne in France. Yeah. Only because the guy who was the director of the film uh, was going out with a girl who was French, and her dad was the mayor of Boulogne, right? <laughs> so he had his, he already had his connections, right? Yeah. So he so he was, we all shipped out. We all went to France for a couple of weeks, made this film, and then came back. But they didn't need the sound uh, initially. They just wanted like 
just like aerial shots and stuff like that. Yeah. So we travelled like about two days after they started filming. Then we travelled to Boulogne, but when we got to the area, we found that it was all cordoned off by police. Right. <laughs> so we got to the front of this cordon, and there was a policeman stood there, and he said, where are you from? We said, oh, we're the film crew. He said, come on through. And what he'd done, the mayor, because the film was like supposed to be based in like 1924 and the yeah. 30s, they got rid of all the cars that were around <laughs> Boulogne. He cordoned off the whole centre square of Boulogne just so we could make this student film. Oh. <laughs> so it's good to have connections. Yeah, it is. Very good to have connections. <laughs> so I did that. I did that for a while. And then um, then I tried to get into radio, which was quite unusual at the time because every single radio station would not accept a presenter who had a local voice. Right, okay. Like a regional accent. Yeah. And I used to send loads of cassette tapes off with me doing my radio shows and stuff like that, and they all got rejected because I didn't have this radio voice. <laughs> you know, I didn't have, I, I didn't have this, it's ten to four. You know, and I didn't have a BBC Radio 4 radio voice. It's like, hey, mate, you know what you're doing? Like, you're like this. <laughs> that, was my, that was my radio voice. So I never got, I never got a job in radio, which I was, I was pretty annoyed about. And then, and then I, so I managed to get a job in a record shop. So I worked in HMV in Middlesbrough. Yes. I worked there for ten for ten years, um, and then got transferred over to Hull, which when I got married, I right. moved over to Hull. I became the manager of the Hull store. That was quite good for a couple of years, and then I moved back to Middlesbrough. I waited until I'd finished my ten years at HMV. I got awarded this gold disc. Yeah. You know how to do the Brit Awards? Yes. And I've got one of them. It's got my name on it. Um, and I was the last person to ever get a gold disc presented from HMV because, because normally in retail you have like quite a high turnover of staff. Yeah. So normally you don't get anyone that stayed there for like ten years. <laughs> so the directors had come all the way from London to to give me this, to give me this uh, gold, they give me this gold disc, and they said to me, "This is the last ever gold disc that we are going to present to somebody." And I was the last person to get it, and that was in two thousand and two. Is that is that why they closed down? Like went into administration? Um, well, yeah, pretty much. I think the internet took over, didn't it, with the sales of stuff that you could buy online, and then obviously downloads have now come in and streaming services and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that the one in Middlesbrough, there is still a HMV in Middlesbrough. I think the Darlington one's shut now. The other one is Stockton. That's yeah. gone. The other one, Teesside Park. That's yes, gone. That's the other gone. one, the Metro Centre. That's gone. So there's really only that one left now. But now I think they're struggling anyway. I think now they've gone into administration. So anyway, I left HMB, um, went to work for the pension service, went to work for DWP. Yes. Did that for a couple of years until I found out I was only on a six-month contract. <laughs> found out? Yeah. You didn't know that at first. Didn't know at the time. <laughs> so every five months, then you'd find out whether or not you'd get kept on for another six months. Oh, gosh. And I thought, I can't, I can't be doing with this. So then I applied for a job in Stockton Council and I ended up being a fraud investigator. Yes. But it wasn't it wasn't the job that I went for the interview. It wasn't wasn't the job that I applied for. Um I, I, I got the interview, it was just for like a normal office job and then they interviewed me and said, Well give you a ring if you've got the job and then they rang me up, so I was dead excited <laughs> and they said, well, You haven't got the job <laughs> But there's a there's a, there's a space in the fraud department if you want to work for the fraud department. And that's what you did? And that's what I did. So I got that in 2000, 2008. So I became a, a qualified uh, benefit fraud investigator. And I did that for up until 2015. And my job role changed slightly. But in between that, 2011, yes. I became a comedian. I bet when you, you took on the fraud role, though, you, you became very unpopular in Middlesbrough. Well, the thing was, it was, it was quite good actually because I, we would only investigate people that worked in Stockton, Hartlepool, ah. Darlington. We didn't cover this this area, <laughs> so that were, that was one of the perks of getting the job was that I wasn't doing it on my own people doorstep. Would. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Although I have done, I, I did do a comedy gig once where there was a guy where I, I was in the middle of investigating him for benefit fraud, and he come up to see me do comedy, but he didn't know I was going to be on. And I didn't know he was going to be in the audience. <laughs> That's just slightly awkward. 
<laughs> it was slightly awkward, but then it, then I had to call him in for an interview like about two or three months later, and he was like, "Were you that ki- were you that comedian that was on an Eagles clip?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was." Yeah, he went, mm, "You were all right." Yeah. <laughs> well, considering that's actually quite yeah. a compliment. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He was. He didn't seem happy at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Funnily enough, that yeah. Well, 2011, I think uh, when you decided to become a comedian, I think I, I probably saw one of your first shows, actually, when you did a, I think it was like an Alpha Supper at King's Church. In, oh, yeah, uh, I'm, sorry about, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you are, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I remember, uh, as I was saying to you earlier, um, you know, it's really hard with a comedian, whether you know that they're telling like a story that's going to have a punchline or actually it's a serious story. <laughs> And I remember you telling the benefit fraud story yeah, in one yeah, of yeah. your acts, and I was thinking, is he really a benefit fraud investigator? Yeah, loads of people would not, generally would not believe me. Yeah. Like, I've had to, I've had to turn up at gigs before with my ID just to prove, <laughs> like, who I was. <laughs> but, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of weird, the, the whole thing, because I became a fraud investigator first, and then, then I got the opportunity to become a comedian. And it was it was it was kind of good actually because it meant that I didn't take although I took my job really seriously during the day and then at night I can just have a bit of a laugh. Yeah. I mean, so. Was comedy something you've always been interested in? Yes. And and it, what what took it up until two thousand eleven? Uh, right. I went for um, you know like when you're like fifteen, fourteen, or fifteen, and you have yeah. to go and you have to go and see the options teacher, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> To see you decide like what you want to do for like the rest of your life. Yeah. And I and he, he called me in and he said, What are you gonna do with yourself? I said, I'm gonna become a stand up comedian. <laughs> and he said, I have got absolutely no idea what you need to do to become a comedian. Um It's helpful. So so the the, the spark that hit it off was we were travelling to uh, a conference. It was a Salt and Light conference in Derby. Yeah. So it was quite a long way. It was about a two and a half hour drive. And we were having a conversation in the car and one of the questions that got asked was, if you want to do something you've never done before, what would it be? And I said, stand-up, stand-up comedy. Wow. So then I was challenged to do a gig within the next six months. Right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, so... So then I found out there was this new act competition which was happening in Darlington. Yes. So I'd applied for it. And uh, and I got an email back saying that was a, I was accepted and I was going to be in one of the heats. I was going to be with like I think there was another twelve different comedians that were on the same heat. But everybody who applied either had no experience or they had up to two years experience. Yes. That was the cut off. It was two years of the experience as a cut off. So that was pretty much my first gig that I did. And yeah. I, came, I came third in my heat. Um, I didn't didn't win it. Not bothered, right? But um, <laughs> but then off the back of that, I got to meet other comedians who ran other gigs. Yes. And then they put me on their gigs, and then you get to meet other comedians. So it was kind of like it's a little bit like networking, but it's good in a way because then people get to see you, get to see you work and things like that. Yeah. I think it's much better if you see people live rather than just on YouTube and stuff. Um, so then I got other gigs off that, and then it just it just snowballed from there. That's really good. I have to. I genuinely mean this, not just because you sat next to me <laughs> and you're really scary. <laughs> but um, I have mean, I, have I investigated you before? <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about that on here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope not. Um, I genuinely mean, like uh, you are by far one of the best comedians I've ever I've ever had the privilege of hearing. And uh, can I just note that? But Paul's only seen four in his <laughs> yeah. lifetime. I saw Peter <laughs> K live once, <laughs> and that was pretty good. But yeah. he did jokes about teachers, so I found that yeah, quite yeah, funny. Yeah. But it was the, you know, a lot of the jokes, um, but the, always the one that stood out for me was the one about the exorcist, that, that like, that crippled yeah, Well, yeah, it's, I think it, I, it's still, I sometimes use that still, and then still people like... Some people find it incredibly hilarious, and then other people are like, mm. yeah. it's like one of the groaners, but then I just say to them, well, you'll all be telling it tomorrow, won't you? Yeah, and, and I like, did that, you know, I'm one of those people, <laughs> and like, where you just totally fail, you're like, this is the best joke you've ever heard, and retell it, and everyone's like, 
Mm. Whatever. Purposes <laughs> <laughs> the way you said it. Yeah, yeah, it was totally the way I said it. Because <laughs> I think I missed about 50% of it out. <laughs> you know, like the punchline, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, ming- the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yeah. yeah. Hence why you're doing the stand-up, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, being a stand-up comedian has obviously opened up quite a few doors for you. Um, mm. You know, you've, you've uh, supported quite a few uh, bigger-named people, if you... If you, if you would be anyone that would be bigger than yourself. Um, and you've done some work on uh, the BBC. Yeah, so it's only in the last um, three, three, four years, I think. So when you first start out, you just get to do like loads of open mic gigs where yeah. you just do like five or ten minutes. You don't get paid anything. Usually you might cover your petrol expenses and stuff. Yeah. But then you've got to, you've got to travel in this uh, industry. You've got to get yourself out a bit and stuff like that. But I was lucky enough from... Actually, from 2015, like I said, that's when it pretty much all kicked off. Um, I got to be on the BBC New Comedy Awards on BBC yes. Radio 4, so I got selected to do that. Um, they chose 80 of the best comedians around the country at that time. I think from about 800, so they whittled it down from about 800 to 80. Wow. So then I got to do that at the Manchester Comedy Store. Yeah. So that's that's been very good. Um, and it was a good recording as well. I enjoyed the gig. It was really good. And I was quite pleased with it because it, it went out on Radio 4 and stuff like that so it was quite good um, what else I've, d- I've done like I've, d- I've done two solo shows uh, as well as doing my, like, my normal comedy yes. so my first show was all about me being a fraud investigator so that was called Secret Agent Fran yeah. so I had some sell out shows for that that was quite good um, and I've got my new show which we'll probably talk about in a bit um, and then I got on to like I just got to work with just some brilliant brilliant comedians yeah I mean, it's it's kind of weird if you can imagine like a little kid and you want to play with like a Premiership footballer. Yeah. It's just exactly like that. You just get to play about and you just get to have a laugh <laughs> and stuff like that. And there's there's a couple of comedians where you, I would I would literally I would I would pay to go and watch them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've paid to go and watch Jason Manford, and then in two thousand and seventeen I got to gig with him. Yeah, that was, was incredible. Just, it was just like me and him on the bill, and nobody else. Yeah. And then he introduced me on stage. How mental is that? Yes. I remember those where... When Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome one of your own, Frank Garrity from Middlesbrough. Yeah. 450 people. It was just incredible. Yeah, I remember, like I say, I remember when you were, when you announced that you were going to be touring with him and like, I was just like, wow, that's like, mm. you know, it's one of those moments, like, it's like, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was good because he was, it was, it was doing like a warm-up, he was doing like warm-up shows for his current tour that he's on now. Yes. So he would go on and do like an hour and a half, maybe up to two hours worth of material. Yeah. So I, I was lucky enough to get on and do 10, 15 minutes before before he came on. And he'd, he'd selected like quite a few people to do the uh, warm-up gigs for him. And I remember him, he, he rang me up and I was at work. And I was like, I've got your DVDs. <laughs> 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 it, was, it, was just, it was just proper, it was just surreal. I mean... Yeah. Even the, even the day when I actually went to went to meet him as well, it was just that's crazy, proper crazy. Then I got to do Panto with Les Battersby from Coronation yes. Street. I did that like, a couple of years ago. What was he like to work with? Oh, he was brilliant. He was amazing. Yeah, he was really really good, really genuine, nice, to, nice, down to earth bloke. Me and him just got it off, just like a yeah, just like a house on fire. Do you know what I mean? And I was his like little sidekick. So we were doing like um. The show was like Jack and the Beanstalk, so he was the henchman and I was the henchman's, like sidekick. Yeah. So me and him would have quite a lot of, quite a lot of arguments during the show and stuff like this, and he was <laughs> belittling me and things like that. But you know, I did get to punch Les Battersby every <laughs> night, so <laughs> wasn't too bad. If nothing else. Yeah. Your ultimate claim to fame yeah. is gonna be. Yeah. Battering. So it's just like little things like that that can turn out to be like massive things in the yeah. end and then that opened up other doors for me um, I got to do a BBC radio series called Jesting About which showcased some of the best comedians from Newcastle and Middlesbrough in the North East and that, was yeah. on, that was on BBC Newcastle BBC Tees um, I've then since gone on to write for them as well uh, they've got a show called It's Green Up North which is on BBC Newcastle BBC Tees they did a live showcase in this massive theatre in South Shields, and yeah. they asked me to headline it, so that was, that was quite wow. nice. 
Um, so that went out over Christmas. Um, it was quite funny actually because there was a there was a woman in the audience who wouldn't stop sneezing, <laughs> and she was one of them people that had like not like a quiet sneeze but like a really loud sneeze. Yeah. And they were doing this live recording to put out right, and a couple of the comedians were on first. She'd sneeze, but they were like they'd be able to probably edit it out. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And then they had like a sketch show in the middle where they had all these different actors on and stuff. And she was quiet and she was fine doing them. And then they brought me on the headline act. And I was in the middle of telling a joke. And she did a massive, a massive sneeze. Right. So I just stood there, I just went, take two. (laughs) (laughs) And then I tried to tell the joke again, but I got to a certain point in the joke where I knew that if she, if she, if she sneezed at that point, yeah. the joke would just be completely lost. <laughs> the whole the whole moment would just would just gone. Right? Yeah. So I was in the middle of telling this joke, and I just looked at her, I went, "Shut it." <laughs> <laughs> and did she sneeze? No, she didn't. You were alright. She was alright. All right. She was alright. She was alright. So obviously, having a a full time job, having a, a full time family as well, and two and an ADHD dog. Mm. Um, Quite stressful. It's, yeah, I can You wonder why I spend so much time out of the house. Yes, I can actually totally see why you would do that. Um, and obviously all the comedy stuff and you do a bit of radio as well, is that the Defem? And you've done Cross yeah. Rhythms radio yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, 225, Saturday afternoon, 105 FM, thank you. Yeah, I hope I can find out how to edit this. It's not self-promotion, you know. <laughs> but it's, no, you know, you need to know where you can find you. Yeah. Um, other, unless you've been investigating people no, no. then you don't want to know no. where you can find them but. <laughs> so obviously all that's been uh, um, pretty full on and like you say becoming a Christian in 97 um, how do you feel like getting into comedy and, and some of the opportunities you've had how have you seen kind of God at work in that it's, it's unusual because um, as a because I'm a clean comedian. Yeah. I'm not... You shower regularly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not effing and jeffing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't drop any bombs around all over the place and stuff. And usually you get... Usually you get spotted. If you if you, if I do a gig and there's like four or five comedians on and every single one of them yeah. like swearing their heads off and stuff, then I come on, do 10 or 15 minutes, all clean material, get some good laughs. Yeah. They'll probably remember me a little bit more than yes. what they would of the other comedians. And I have had some people come up to me and say, um, well, you didn't swear. And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. I'd find it harder to swear than than the other comedians would find it harder not to not to swear. Yeah. kind of works both ways. Yes. So I've, so I've been known as being clean, consistent, uh, on the money, reliable, and things like that. And I think that's probably because of the testament of the, the person that I am. Yes, absolutely. I mean? Not just like the material that I come out with and stuff like that, but I'm I'm the kind of guy that can be trusted to to do the right thing. Oh, trusted. Yeah. Now that's yeah. <laughs> I don't know many men that would be able to say that. <laughs> be trusted. Yeah. Should we ask your wife? <laughs> can he be trusted? <laughs> I think I know what the answer will be. Yes. <laughs> She's clearly not here, so... <laughs> no, she's not here. He wanted to do that for ages. Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually my favourite one. Is it? Right, OK. Um, well, I quite like the boo. I don't like the boo. I don't need to use that for you. No. <laughs> So obviously you had the the comedy. You've had two shows yourself. You know you've had the uh, uh, the benefit fraud one, and also you've had uh, faith, hope, and, and Garrity. How good's that name? I you actually I mean? it was the badges. I actually asked you for a badge ages ago, and I never got it. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty good if I'm honest. It's a pound. It's <laughs> charging me a pound for a badge. No, I have got a badge. You can have one. It's disgusting. I've got a limited edition badge. Have you? Yeah, I've only got a couple left, so you can have one of them. Oh man, this is like this is like when you got that award, the gold <laughs> disc. That's how I'm feeling right now. Um, and like you say, you know how how we show your how your faith has played a big part in that uh, in your life up until this point. But obviously, this show um, has a great deal of comedy in it, but also has quite a serious message to it as well. Yeah, it does. 
and like a lot of people have come to see the show and thinking it's just going to be like full on 100% laughter like yeah. all the way through which is good which is what you want people to come to but I also wanted to not just challenge people but to like um, just to just to give away a message so people can have a can have a think about it really yeah um, so it's it's kind it, it is a well it's built as a comedy show but it's not 100% comedy all the way through yeah I talk about um, the whole theme of the show is I talk about my life things that I've done wrong to people and things that people have done wrong to me yeah and I talk about various situations, but the crux of the thing is um, the situations that you find yourselves in. Well, it's not the situation that you find yourself in; it's how you deal with the how you deal with the situation that you find yourself in. Yeah. How you get that inner strength, how you carry on, how you have that faith, hope. Yes. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So I I tie that in quite nicely. I think. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant name for the show. I've done. I've done ten. I've done ten shows of it, and seven of those shows have been sold out. That's which fantastic. Is, which is incredible, really. Yeah. Um, considering I'm like, I am. I am a good comedian. I'll let you know that I am. <laughs> I am a good comedian, but I'm not the the like the best well well known. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm quite humbled that people have paid tickets to come and see me. It's quite different if you're on like if you're doing like a comedy night where there's like four or five comedians on. Yeah. People would just generally just buy tickets for the night. Yes. But if you put on your own show, and people buy tickets to come and see you, that is just yeah, mind blowing really. And you've done I mean, I don't of... offer refunds. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a clause in it. Pay for what you get. Small print. And actually, you've done it all yourself as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. All the promotional material. Everything's been self-funded. Yeah. I've got no agent apart from God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's my only agent. Agent God. Um, I like that. But um, I just I, I, like I've got a really good friend called Dean Moore as well, who's got a lot of faith in me, and he's he's set me up with a couple of preview shows, so I was able to like preview some of the material before I actually started. Yes. Getting putting the whole show together and stuff like that. So obviously, um, quite a bit of that has the comedy element to it, but also like you say, it's quite a serious message because even though you've been doing comedy and kind of following that dream, if you like, which mm. is you know. Um, I can imagine it's like it's really good finally doing something that you've always wanted to do. Oh yeah, it's the best best film in the world. If you find a job or you find a hobby, and it's something that you love, yeah, it's just it's 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 brilliant. I'm, I'll it get really there one is. day. You'll get there one day. <laughs> you've got your podcast. Well, yeah, who knows where this goes? <laughs> I might get. Can I go on your radio show? <laughs> but so obviously, it's been a like you know a really. An exciting few years since you've took up comedy, but then, particularly in the last, on well, the last two years, just staying there, you know, thinking it, this was only six months ago, but, um, kind of, it's almost two years ago, things took a little bit of a, yeah, a turn. So I was I was on a gig, I was doing a gig for Jason Manford at one of his comedy clubs in Cumbria, yeah. and I'd finished the gig and I'd driven home and it was one o'clock in the morning, and I got to bed at one o'clock in the morning and at three o'clock in the morning. I got, there was a massive knock on the door. It was the police who advised me that my daughter had been seriously assaulted yeah. on Martin Road in Middlesbrough. She was 18 She was eighteen year old at the time. She'd been out with her friends. She'd been out, had a few drinks and that, but she was um, violently assaulted on the way home to the point where it was life-threatening. Um, she got a lot of uh, injuries, facial injuries, yeah. a traumatic brain injury. Um, and she was unrecognisable when I went to see her in hospital. And the doctor said, well, there was two, two things that I remember. First of all, when the paramedics arrived, they said that nobody had survived the injuries oh, that wow. she had sustained. Well, they hadn't seen anybody survive the amount of injuries that she sustained. It was a lot of injuries that she had. And when the doctors saw her, with the medical staff, with all their experience and years of expertise, looked at her and said, she's got less than two hours Oh gosh! Less than two hours to live, and uh, and it was. Man, I just, what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you do? And it was like three o'clock in the morning. People were going to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and then realise like, what had happened overnight. Um, the cordoned off man road. They tapered it all off. There were forensic guys out there, and they were like on the knees, combing the streets, looking for evidence because they thought in their minds it was 
probably going to turn out to be a murder investigation yeah. rather than a serious assault. Our church, for the very first time, opened their doors. It was on a Saturday. It was a beautiful Saturday morning. They opened the doors and like over 100 people turned up to pray for my daughter. Yeah. Loads of people got to hear about it and loads of people just started praying. My sister, my eldest sister, she was at a women's conference in London. And there was, uh, I think there was about three, she'll probably correct me on this, <laughs> but I think there was about at least about three to 5,000 women and they all stopped. And they all prayed for my daughter. Yeah. Um, they couldn't operate on her for nine days due to the extent of her injuries. They, they had to put her in a, like a self-induced coma. Otherwise, she wouldn't have survived with the injuries that she had. Um, so they operated on her. All the operations were successful. She eventually woke up out of a coma. Um, she spent 108 days in hospital and she came out 35 days earlier than they anticipated. Wow. As soon as you woke up from... Um, from the from the coma it, it just her mindset just completely changed she just turned into this to this young woman that just had a sense of amount of enormous positivity in her life yeah she's i think she used to use the phrase positive vibes positive mind positive yes. life. so she used that and um her friends had come to see her and she just she just wanted to get out she wanted to get home and yeah within when less than 35 days when she was supposed to be Coming out, she was out. She yeah. was out. She was back home. Gosh, I mean that alone in itself, you know, having all that support, all those people praying. I remember the messages going out, um, and and us, you know, us as embrace were praying mm. for her as mm. well, and mm. all that support, you know, and mm. and the and the actual fact that she's survived that, you it's know, just a, well, it's a, it's a, I say to people, it's a miracle that she's here. Yeah, you know what I mean. An absolute miracle. I mean, obviously, they didn't tell us at the time. They only thought she had yes. two days to live. The the horrifying bit about it was when she's got transferred over to um, to the high dependency unit, they call it now, um, we witnessed six people die in ten days. Oh, wow. When we were, like, we were sat next to her, there were life support machines going off, like, left, right and centre. Yeah. People had been in, like, various accidents and things like that, and... It's just, it's, it, you can't describe the atmosphere that it was like in there. It was no. just, it was just unreal. I'd spent quite a lot of time off work and I'd put a hold on my gigs and stuff like that and everyone was like really supportive. But throughout the whole process, it was like Groundhog Day. It was just, you'd yes. go to see her like, you'd have like a set time where I'd go and see her like every single day and you'd see a little bit of change every now and then. But most of the time it was just exactly the same. And so not only are you experiencing the worst possible time as a, as a father for yourself, mm. but also having, you know, you're aware that there are lots of other people there yeah. who are equally going through something bad, if not well, like worse than worse. What we, what worse than what we were going yeah. through. So that must have been really tough. It's kind of hard to comprehend, really. Yeah. Because you, cause you like, I'll tell you a little story, right? There was a guy, there was a guy who got brought in it was in. It was eleven o'clock in the morning. I I was sat with my daughter, and he got brought in. He'd had a heart failure at work. He'd had a heart attack. They had revived him. They brought him into hospital. Put him in the bed next to Esther. Rang his family. Do you want to come and see him? Blah blah blah. I think he'll be all right. Put him on a life support machine. I'd come back at like three o'clock in the afternoon. His bed was empty. Wow. Yeah. He'd just gone. You can't even imagine what that would be like. That's just cannot, and that that'll always stick with me. That that story, that bloke. Because I remember him coming in. I remember him. And he was talking to his family. He was. They were all sat around his bed and he was chatting with them. And I'd left my daughter at twelve o'clock. Yeah. Come home for a couple of hours, and I got back, and the the whole bed was clean. Yes. It wasn't as if they'd moved him anywhere else. He just. He must have had another attack, and then just. Gone. Yeah. You know? And that's, like you say, considering being a comedian and obviously fitting these this, these stories into your show, you know, you're always kind of, in some ways, the, you know, you're waiting for, for a, you know, the comedy punchline, but there isn't one in this no, one. No, and no. No, no. And actually, you know, the, the fact that you, your daughter has survived and got, got through it, you know, 
you think that's enough, but actually that's still not even the end of the story. That, no. That's what makes this like really incredible. I mean, you know, you can't imagine having to go that go through all of that. But mm. the, your daughter was even she was attacked by someone that you all knew. Yeah, it was a it was a boyfriend who did it. He'd taken a concoction of drugs, so he'd taken a mixture of LSD, ketamine and cocaine, I think it was. But he'd taken them all on top of each other, and it just turned him... It just His mind just flipped, he just switched, he had like a really bad trip, and he just saw red mist, and he just assault, violently assaulted my daughter. Yeah. Just to the point where there was actually people that had come out of the house and had to, had to get him off my daughter otherwise. He could have had one more hit, could have had one more punch, and she wouldn't have been here. Yeah, and as a father, obviously, you know, you obviously would have met him and, mm. you know, known about him and everything like that. And, you know, you can't, you wouldn't be blamed, you know, for obviously knowing who he is and thinking, right, you know, we're going to teach him a lesson. But. Yeah, now, <laughs> this is where the bit where it comes in where. I, where I say to people, it's not the situation you find yourself in, it's, it's how you deal with it. Yeah. And I've seen, through what I've been with other people around me as well, I've seen their reactions to to this whole story. Yeah. But I've, I've sat with my daughter and gone through that with her. And I know that she wouldn't want me to feel any anger, any bitterness, any hatred. So I made the conscious choice to forgive him for what he did wow I don't just, know just like it releases a massive a massive weight off your shoulders yeah you don't live in fear you just live in peace you have hope and hope comes back in your life yes so we waited until the trial was over and he got sentenced to 12 and a half years in prison and we made an appointment, me and my wife, and we went to see him. And we told him that he's forgiven. And that must have been, well, that must have been really difficult. And it, it wasn't really, to be honest. I would it find that. It wasn't, it wasn't because it was, because it was the natural decision that we decided to do. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was giving him that I, that I wanted to hold back on yeah. like 10% or 20% it's I don't know it's like I'm saying yeah I'll give you I'll give you 50 quid you don't have to pay you don't have to pay me back not like I'll give you 50 quid but in, in a couple of weeks do you mind do you mind yeah. pay me back but then can you pay me another 50 quid back yeah. on top of that as well it's, it's not it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that forgiveness doesn't work like that. Yeah. If you choose, you choose to forgive someone, then that's it. The the choice. The it's been it's been done. It's been done on the cross. And how did he respond to that? I d- well, I can only t- I can only tell you that he was he was thankful and he was grateful. Yeah. I can't tell you inwardly how that's impacted him. Yeah. Whether it's impacted him at all, or whether or not. It will impact him in the future when he comes out. He has said that he would, he when he does eventually get released, he would like to go into schools and talk to kids about the dangers of drugs and yeah. how they can, how they can manifest themselves and how if you think it might not happen to you, it happened to him. He was a good lad. He had no previous convictions. Yeah. Um, never been in trouble with the police before. And then he spent. He's going to spend a. Good, good part of his adult life or the beginning part of his adult life now yeah locked away in prison and don't get me wrong do you know what I mean justice needs to be served absolutely yeah do you know what I mean I'm not saying that he should be released tomorrow I think he should definitely serve his time yeah but I think it was important not just for me to forgive him but for him to know him that he was forgiven yes and like you said you know that's paid for on the cross mm-hmm. you know the, I always think of the Lord's Prayer you know forgive as our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, you know, we often find we categorise sin, mm. you know, as mm. that's not so bad, this is mm. slightly better. Mm. Um, but actually we're all, we're all guilty mm. of something. And actually when something does happen like that, I carry the weight of the anger and the bitterness 
it must be oh, harder. No, no, it's totally. I've seen like I've seen people like say, "Oh, wait till he gets out." I've already got people. You can't, you can't hang on to that no. for the next twelve and a half years of your life. Must Do you know be, what I mean? It must be much harder than it wears you down. It tears you inside out. I would not be able to carry on doing my work as a stand-up comedian and giving joy to people. Yes. If I'm consumed by this anger and hatred and bitterness and yeah, you know, I could, you just you, you couldn't. I'm not like Jekyll and Hyde. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. like I can't switch it on and switch it off. It's my persona. It's the person who I am. It's the person who I'm created to be. Yeah. If I'm created to bring joy to people, how can I do that if? Absolutely. Holding back. Yeah. And you know, and I remember, I remember you, you, you telling the story for the first time, like doing the whole act for the first time, and thinking, you know, it was so funny in the beginning. You know, all the comedy stuff was great, mm. and then literally not a dry eye in the house when people suddenly realised that this is actually mm. a real life story. There's no punchline to that, and uh, you know, and like you've said, people will say to you like, "But how can you forgive? How can you move on? How do you mm. not?" plan what you know when he comes out and things but it's such an incredible it's such a powerful story and to share that with people um you know you, you're gonna encounter lives changed yeah i have run into like a little bit of criticism don't get me wrong um where people have like well it wasn't very funny do you know what i mean but it's just it's like <laughs> It's like, well, it's my life, I talk about, I talk about my life. Yeah. In my comedy shows, I talk about my life, I talk about my kids, I talk about my dogs, I talk about my wife, I talk about my job, I talk about what it's like being a comedian. And sometimes in this life, you'll, you'll have experiences where things are hard and life's quite tough. Yeah. And I do think that people need to be, not just challenged, but people need to have a think about about how they would react in certain situations maybe they would react exactly the same maybe they would react totally differently yeah that's just that's not down to me i'm just telling you my story and then you yeah. can deal with it however you want to yes deal with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like you say you know it's uh we, we talk about forgiveness and how difficult it can be and actually, you know, it doesn't really get much more difficult than this. But um, obviously, you've you know you've come out the other side in the sense of you know you've created the show, mm. um, and obviously you've had some sellouts on that, which has been superb. And actually, you know, been able to take that, I suppose, that next step in terms of comedy because you know it's all been self promoted and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, what what's next for you? Well, I'm going to carry on with the tour show uh, for the next year, going into 2019. Wow. Um, so if anybody knows anywhere that would like to hear my story, <laughs> uh, they can get in touch with me and we'll, we'll organise getting it on. And then otherwise, we'll just see what, what plans the big man upstairs has got for the rest of my journey. Yes. We'll just see what happens. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster so far. Yes, yeah. and, and the roller coaster is not stopping. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting off yet. No, not getting off yet. No, so you know the show is going to continue in 2019, uh, which is just brilliant. I mean, 2020 is coming up as well, which is really scary. Mm. Um, I, just how quick time goes. Uh -huh. um, how you know? How can we? Uh, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best ways? Um, so I've you can get hold of me on social media is usually the best platform. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at frangarity one, uh, or you can contact me on Facebook. I've got my personal page, but I've got a comedy page as well, um, and I've got a website which is like a Wix site website, which is quite difficult to find. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but it is. But there's a link to that on my Facebook page if you go to that, and that'll give you a list of all the gigs that I'm doing uh, with you. Um, add my add my Facebook page. It'll give you a list of all the gigs that I'm doing, the gigs that I've got coming up, and details about the tour show and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And obviously, you can find you uh, on a weekly basis <laughs> on uh, on Zetland FM. On as Zetland well. FM on a Saturday, I do a show called Back to the Eighties, 
where I play loads of music. Well, it's all music <laughs> from uh, from the nineteen eighties, and it's really good. Yeah. It's on two two five. You can ask Alexa, right? This this is the good thing. If you've got an Alexa at home, right? Saturday afternoon, just go. Alexa, play Zetland FM, and then I'll just come on like that. And you just appear? I just appear. <laughs> I'm not sure that's something I'll ever ask Alexa. <laughs> so, some, sometimes when I'm on the air and I tell people about Alexa, their Alexas like yes. fire up. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could do the whole set an alarm at 3 a.m. to yeah, yeah, play yeah. horror music. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that, actually. Yeah. That's the reason why I've had to change Alexa's name because I don't want anyone to do that to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so now anyone time anyone says Alexa, <laughs> I'm awful <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm not telling you what my Alexa's called. Mm. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Fran. I mean, like I say, this is this is a big coup for us, Fran Garrity. <laughs> you know, big deal in this in this part of town. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's for my taxi, isn't it? <laughs> But no, I really appreciate you giving us up the time. And like I say, um, well, what, a, what a time it's been for you. But, you know, best is yet to come. Yeah, I'm 48, but I don't look it. I only look about 32. Is that moisturiser you're using? Totally moisturiser, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. It's, uh, it's been a real privilege. Um, thank you all for listening. Again, if you want to get in touch with Fran, use the social media platforms. If there's any questions or anything you want to ask him, I'm sure actually, I'm just presuming this, that he'll be happy to answer those as well. Very happy. If yeah. anyone got any questions, doesn't really matter what they are, like uh, how much is the price of milk, I don't know. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can ask me. <laughs> Depends with choppy daughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again. And uh, thank you for joining us on Church Matters. It's been, uh, it's been a real joy to share with you tonight. And... Uh, and we'll hopefully see you again very soon. Don't forget to play the music at the end. Oh, you love that anthem. I do. Are you ready for it again? Yeah. I'm going to turn the volume up. Hang on. Oh, there it goes. I've got a different one. I've actually got a second one. Go on. Do you want the second one? Yeah. There it goes. <laughs>